Thank you for bringing the word back to our remembrance. And thank you, Father, that we all have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives on the inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited for what God is doing through these teachings. And I'm telling you, he's doing a great work. I don't know if he's doing it in you, but he's doing it in me. And he will show us us, and he will show us some things. The more we get into the word of God and the more the word gets into us, we will see things that we have never saw before. This is why the enemy, he does not want us to get into the word of God because he knows that this word is going to bring life. And he also knows that this word is going to expose him for who he is. And, you know, the word brings light. So it's going to expel. It's going to expose the darkness that's in us. And if we take the time, take time out and spend time with him and ask the Holy Spirit, first of all, Lord, show me me. And if we can ask him to show us us, and when things begin to come up and come out, sometimes it makes you sick. How about y'all? Sometimes it make you feel some kind of way because you're saying, God, me? God, is it me? Why not you? But the good thing about it that I have learned, that when God show me something dealing with me, and sometimes we can get so busy we don't recognize just the little stuff. And if you don't get the little stuff, it turns out to be big stuff. So once he show it to you and you go into the word of God and you take that word for whatever he's um, showing you, and that word go in, what that word does, it replaces, it uproots that darkness that's there. But if you never take the word in, you are still going around with the things we've been talking about, and we've been talking about it for a while, the strife, the offense, we end up being bitter, we end up having unforgiveness, we end up seeing things not like the word want us to see it, but the way the enemy want us to see it. Y'all, it's happening everywhere now. People are having problems in their marriage. People are having problems, believe it or not, with themselves. How can somebody have a problem with themselves? How can somebody not like themselves? Isn't that something? Have y'all ever thought about that? Sometimes you're just not happy with you. Nobody ain't done nothing to you. You're just not happy with you. Some of us, um, you know, be saying, God, I, I don't like who I am. I don't like who I have become. And that's when we really have to cry out to God, when we can't even like ourselves. Not like, but love ourselves. Lord, I'm in you and you in me, so why do I feel the way that I feel? So last Tuesday... He had me teaching on the word consider. And this word um, came up through Mark 6.52. Um, go to Mark 6.52. Keep your hearts open because God might have you to do something tonight. Mark 6.52. Go up a verse to 51 when it says... And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were so amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. So what was going on here? It was just um, the wind stopped because we know what Jesus did. They were so amazed at what he did, they could not even see what he did previously. And we went over this. They, they considered not, meaning that they did not set their heart upon what he did previously. So when this happened, it was like nothing happened. Your heart can get so callous, it can get so cold, even though you see another miracle, it's just like nothing has really happened. You, you be so amazed at what has happened. When your heart is hardened, that's where that amazement come in at. We as saints should not be amazed when we see a miracle. Because we should know God for who he is. We should take him for who he is. But consider me to set or join together in the mind, to take into account, to ponder, to study, to examine, to deliberate upon, to meditate. Anything that you consider is what you will become. 
Anything that you consider is what you will become. If you considering sickness, if you pondering on sickness and disease, if you pondering on what your forefathers had or what your mother, your granddaddy, your daddy, or whatever people had in your family, if you considering it, if you pondering over it, if you meditating on it, if you reasoning about that thing, that's what you become. That's what you end up with. So that's why the enemy want us to consider things, whether he want us to consider negative things, not the things of God. Anything negative that he can keep your mind set on, that's what you're going to consider. It's going to become more real to you, even though it's not real to you, even though, you know, it's not real. We went over Genesis 3, 6, when God had told Eve and Adam not to eat from that tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is what he told them. That's the commandment he gave them. So they were obeying God. So the enemy had to get them to consider that tree after they knew that God told them not to eat from that tree. How did he do that? By talking about the very thing that God told her not to consider. So the things that you don't think about, the enemy is going to use somebody to cause you to consider it. I always go back to marriage. I tell you, God is doing some things. When it comes to a man and a woman, when they, they are one, when a man is not looking at any other woman but his wife because he loves his wife, he only have eyes for that wife. One day a harlot shows up, somebody who sees that man and woman, they're watching that man and woman all the time. So what the enemy does, he devises a plan. And what the enemy does is he'll watch that man very carefully. And he'll see the weak areas in that man's life. And he's going to use somebody. The devil have to have a body. He have to have someone that can react on his behalf just like he used the serpent. So the very thing that the man knew he could not have, the enemy began to bring a thought to him. Man, don't she look good. Man, isn't she wearing those jeans? Man, I tell you, if your wife looked like that, he didn't dismiss that thought, but he kept that thought there. He was considering what the enemy said, was saying. This is why the Bible says to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself, what? Against the knowledge of God. So anytime a thought come and it's contrary to the word of God, it's up to us to cast it down. If we don't cast it down, we are considering it. So this man, by not casting that thought down, he's considering, he's meditating, he's um, pondering over it. And guess what? Now he's in a struggle. He's struggling because he's really seeing what the enemy is saying concerning that woman. And each time that woman go past him, he tried to look at her without looking at her. But guess what? He don't have to look at her no more because he has already seen her in his mind. So that's the thing that he's going to go after because he didn't cast it down. He's thinking about her when he come home. He's thinking about her through the night. He's having dreams about her because he's considering. This is how marriages get taught, not only for men, but for women as well. If you see a man and you keep um, playing around with your friends, oh, look at his muscles. Oh, look at him. He's chocolate. I don't hear nobody in the sound booth. Anyway, you're liking how he look and how he appear to be, and you're joking with your friends, but that's what you're seeing. You're considering, you're pondering. The enemy know if I can keep your mind set on that, eventually you're going to go after what you've been considering. Eventually you're going to become what you've been considering. What is that man and woman going to become? Unfaithful. And this is why he said that when you lust after a woman in your heart, you have already committed the act with them and you have not slept with them physically, but you have slept with them mentally in your mind because you already considered doing it even though you have not done it. This is deep, isn't it? That's what consider is. 
So the enemy want us to keep our mind on things of this earth instead of setting our minds on things above. Why would God say set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth? Because he know the earth is evil. He know that the God of this world, which is Satan, everything that's in this world is evil. So our mind has to be set on the things of God. So Eve end up eating from that tree because she set her eyes on that tree. Her mind went towards that tree and that tree became something to her that it should not have become. So it was the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. All three of those the enemy used. That's why we cannot consider. This is why when you're watching television and you see all this stuff going on on television, you just don't sit there like a deer in headlights and say, what? Ooh. No, you turn it. Why? Because you're going to begin to consider what you saw. You're going to begin to think about what you saw. Have you ever listened to a song? And that song touched you to the point that you're walking in your home or you may be walking in the grocery store and all you can hear is that song. Because you considered that song. Because you're making that song a part of you and it's like a record repeating itself over and over again. And it's so much in you, that's what comes out of you because that's what you're hearing. Your hearing affects what you consider. That's why the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. The more you hear a thing over and over and over again, the more you begin to consider what you're hearing. The more you look at a thing over and over and over again, that's what you become because you heard it. You saw it. Now it has become a part of you and nobody can tell you any different. This is why people's hearts become hardened. This is why people's hearts become callous. Why is it that we can reach some people and not reach others? It's because it's where their heart is. If your heart is hard and we got one side believing what God is saying, we got the other side that's saying, you got to show me. That means that that side over here, their heart is pliable. This side over here, their hearts may not be as pliable as yours. But guess what? God can do what needs to be done with our hearts through the word of God. That's why we got to take the word for what it is. Whatever the word tell us, that's what we do. We don't do opposite to the word of God. That's why we have to stay in the word of God. Mark 4, 24 is the one that I was given on how um, your hearing affects what you consider. It says in Mark 4.24, Amplified, and he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. So the Bible saying, be careful what you hear, because if you're hearing something negative and it's not um, directing you to the word of God, you don't want to hear that. You get rid of what you're hearing. You cast that down because it's becoming a thought. But if you're hearing something con- concerning the word of God, while you're hearing it, you're going to be repeating it over and over and over again because you know it's the truth. So the more truth you take in, the more truth will be given back to you. The enemy does not want you to take in truth because he know that when you know the truth, the truth is what's going to set you free. But you have to know the truth in order to be set free. Listen at 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That means that when you're receiving evil communication, if Gloria's communicating to me and her communication is bringing forth evil, and I'm hanging around Gloria, and that's all I'm hearing from Gloria is evil communication. I'm hearing gossip about other people. I'm hearing things that are not true, but I'm taking in what she's saying. Guess what it's doing? It's corrupting my good manners. That means that I'm following glory. I'm following what she see and what she believe, even though it's not the truth. It's taking me out of my place with God. This is why we got to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. This is why we stop even communications at the door. We say, wait a minute. Nope. 
I don't care to hear that. I hear what you're saying. I wasn't there. I didn't see it. So no, let's change the subject. I'm not here to talk about that. How many of us do that? Let's just be real. Jennifer said she did it last night. We're talking about last night. We're talking about all the time. I'm picking on Jennifer. But she did it. She did it last night. If we cut it off, we don't even give the devil a foothold. What we have to do is say, that don't concern me. That's not concerning me. That may be concerning you, but it's not concerning me. Don't bring that in my house. Because the devil know evil communication corrupt good manners. My grandfather will always say when they would bring stuff in his house, which wasn't right. He said, you got a home. My daddy would say, now daddy, you know I got a home. He said, well, you need to get to it. Why did he do these things? Because he knew I have to deal with what you leaving in this house. If you leave strife in my house, that's what we're going to have in my house. We need to grow up, y'all. Church, we need to grow up. We need to stand up for what's right and say, no, not up in here today. I don't care to hear that. If it ain't good, I don't care to hear it. I don't care what they said. If it ain't good, don't bring it in my house. And some people will tell you, Well, you think you better than anybody else. No, I know who I am now. I'm in him. It ain't about me. It's about him. And he's in me and I'm in him and I represent him. So I don't care to hear that up in here. I remember, I'm not going to call any names. So me and my husband went to this house. And when we went to this house and he may remember as I'm talking about it. And we were sitting there and the mother and daughter was going at it 90 miles a minute, y'all. They were back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Y'all, it got so heated. Then they threw me up in it, and I didn't even know him like that. But I thank God for my husband. My husband said, don't bring my wife up in that. Thank you, Jesus. Because I knew they wouldn't have heard me anyway. They were so heated. But guess what happened after that? Y'all, these people were so calm. you like, dang, wait a minute. Y'all was just in a heated argument but now you're talking to each other like it's normal I said who does that y'all this is no joke when I got up and got ready to go home I was dizzy I had to just stand there and get myself together because that's not what I was used to that's not what I was used to so I had to begin to pray I had to begin to rebuke those spirits off of me I said when I when I came over here I wasn't like that (laughs) but now I'm leaving in another state So see, all of that strife and all of that commotion, it come at me. So what am I telling you? Evil communications will corrupt good manners. So we have to be careful where we go. We have to be careful how we sit there when we are in places and things are going on the way they're going on. If the Holy Spirit is giving you a word to intervene to bring peace between the brother and the sister, then that's what you do. But if the Holy Spirit is directing you at that time to leave. Now, Abraham was a good one because him and Lot, they, um, what was they called? The servants of Lot and the servants of Abraham. They were having strife amongst each other, but Abraham stepped up and he said, Lot, we're brothers. He was making it plain. He was calming the situation down. What was he doing? Having good communication. He was setting things the way it should be. So that's what we should do when confrontation is going on. But if the Holy Spirit is telling you, no, that's not none of your business, you just get up and politely leave. You got to hear him and you got to know what to do and how to do it. So we see, let's go to Hebrews 11, 15. And I'm going to add verse 16 to uh, what I taught last Tuesday. This is dealing with Abraham and truly If they had been mindful of the country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But they could not turn back for their hearts. Listen at this. I'm reading out the Passion Translation for verse 16. But they could not turn back for their hearts were fixed on what was far greater. That is the heavenly realm. So because of this, God is not ashamed in any way to be called their God, for he had prepared a heavenly city for them. They were not mindful to look back because verse 16 says their heart was fixed on a far greater 
That is the heavenly realm. When you fix your heart on things above and not on things of this earth, you're not going to turn back. This shows us when we turn back where our heart is fixed at. When you focus more on spiritually things, no matter what's coming at you, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how people are treating you, you don't turn from God. Because your heart is so fixed on him and on spiritual things that nobody can turn your heart away from God. Our hearts are getting turned away from God because we're paying too much attention to us. We're paying too much attention to how we feel. We're paying too much attention to what this one did, what that one did, what they should have done. We have to keep our hearts before God. And we do have the heart of God. But what's going on is we put everything ahead of God. That's why when God is speaking to us, we don't even know it's God or not. Because we are so much in the world, but we're not of the world. So we have to turn our hearts towards God. Our focus has to be on him. This is why Abraham ended up where God wanted him to be. Because his focus was on God and not on man. So when we look at Romans 4, 18 through 19, we went over this and y'all know Abraham against hope believed in hope. You know that he was the father of many nations and Abraham knew the conditions of the condition of Sarah's body. He knew how old he was, but he knew it, but he didn't consider. That means he didn't meditate. He didn't ponder. He didn't reason. The only thing he did was focused on what God has said. He didn't deny that he was old. He didn't deny that Sarah was barren and she couldn't have children at that old age. What he did was he focused on what God said outside of what was happening in his life. What was happening? He was focused in heaven, not on the earth. Our problem is we focus too much on the here and now. Instead of focusing on what God has already said. When we began to focus on what God has said, then we're not going to worry about what's happening here and now. Even if your marriage is tore up from the floor up, if God gave you a promise before it got tore up from the floor up, you're going to focus on the promise and not on what's happening in your marriage. But our problem is we're so focused. You know why we focus on things on the earth? Because rejection, hear me, see me, be attached to me. Because of pride, it's all about me. You hurt me. You will never hurt me again. You know, you want to be glorified. You want to be high. And lift it up. So if nobody is lifting you high or whatever, you're going to put them down so you can look high. When people are wrong, some people, what they do is they make other people look like they're wrong so they can be high. That's pride. And I'm going to tell you something. Through teaching all of this, y'all, it's been a breaking loose. Y'all, isn't there a song that says a breaking loose or break, break loose? Y'all have heard that song? What is it, Gloria? Yeah, what is it? What is it called? Break loose? Busting loose. See, Gloria knew. Gloria knew what I was talking about. I'm talking about breaking loose. Busting loose. There's a lot of that now. Anything that you teach. See, Gloria caught on. See? Anything that you teach. And I'm going to tell y'all. I'm going to forewarn you. Anything you teach coming from this word, it's going to pop up. How many know since I've been teaching on all of this stuff, it's it's like chain reactions? How many have had it? Come on. How many in the room since I've been teaching on strife see you with strife? Don't act like y'all don't know. How many since I've been teaching on offense saw some offense in your life? Am I the only one? Yo, come on, don't be ashamed. If it's just me, it's just me. I'm not ashamed. God can use me because I'm not ashamed. Come on, we all been there. Offense. Haven't we all been there? We've been there with offense. We've been there with strife. We've been there with resentment. We've been there with pride. Every last one of us say, oh my God, I didn't know I had that. Yeah, you got a little bit of it. Come on, me and my husband. Sometimes we'll be talking about some things and I'll say, well, I wouldn't have done that if you, he said, see, that's what I'm talking about. 
Why you had to bring me up in this? Because I'm telling you. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not because you telling me. I'm just being honest with you. No, Yang. Same thing with me with him. And I'm saying, wait a minute. See, that's why I won't tell you nothing. Because you're trying to say, I'm saying it because you're saying it. I'm just giving you an example. No, Yang. Nobody have this in your house? I want some real people. I want some real people to act like, to act like you know what I'm talking about. That's when you're humbling yourself, when you're not ashamed to admit you slap your husband for no reason. I ain't never slapped him. Some of y'all may have, no. I ain't done that. I ain't never. <laughs> some of y'all may slap them. Some of you been choking your husbands, ain't you? In your sleep. Turn me loose. Turn me loose. Willie ain't turning you loose till you learn some sense. I can pick on Sisanese and Willie. <laughs> Go ahead and continue to choke you. <laughs> but that's, that's what we go through in marriage, y'all. But the thing is, the joyous thing about going through, it makes you better. Y'all didn't know? It makes you better instead of bitter. How do I know? Because when you get into the word of God and you say, God, where did that come from? Why did I get mad because my husband ate the last cookie? Why did I get so mad over one cookie? Have y'all ever asked yourself that? Well, let's just go a little bit deeper. Pork chop. Chicken wing. Pig feet. Come on. Why'd you get mad because somebody ate that? Why are you so upset? Some people say, because I was hungry, Pastor. But that's your wife. That's your husband. If you love me, you wouldn't eat it. Well, what about you? Or you be hiding stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hiding food. Put it way back there in the back so they can't find it. And guess what? They found it. Come on, we can carry a fence over food. God is talking to somebody. Y'all have carried some offense over some food. What'd you say? Trail mix. What about some trail mix? Oh, I'm going to remind them of that too. Since he brought up the trail mix, y'all. I did not get offended. I'm just telling this man with this big hand how to eat food. Okay? There's a bag about that high. So you go in there, it's a snack, right? So when you get a snack, that means you don't take your big hand, (laughs) fill it up, eat that hand, go back and eat a nothing. That's his snack. I said, honey, if that's going to last, you just don't eat it like that. I don't get much. (laughs) Then I went, y'all, finally to get me some of that snack. Crumbs. Then I left it on the counter, the crumbs. Who was back in there after the crumbs? (laughs) Thank God I don't get offended. (laughs) Stuff like that will make you offended, right? I'm going to tell you how you really get offended when you can't afford it and you want it. Y'all thought about that? When you can't afford to keep buying that same snack and they eat it all up in one day, who get angry? Who get offended? (laughs) Now, see, Quisha may over there talking about my son. (laughs) He watching you. But this stuff is real, y'all. We have to be real with ourselves and quit acting as if we're so picture perfect. We're perfect in our spirit, but our soul is going to have some work until we get raptured up, until Jesus, God, calls us home. That's why we're dealing with these teachings so we'll know how to deal with things when they come up in our lives so we can get over it quickly instead of burying it and then bringing it back up when something go on. That's not how it's supposed to happen. So we look at um, Abraham, and then at Abraham 11, chapter 11, 17 through 19, we went over how Abraham was giving up Isaac because he trusted God. He trusted God enough to not even consider. He knew if he dies, Abraham considered if he dies, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, did a, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm so much into this. He, y'all knew who I was talking about, right? Look how quick y'all um, responded. 
have to have a thief to pull the, t- the tape, the teacher. Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about Abraham. Oh, y'all following along tonight. If you were asleep like Willie over there, I ain't hear Willie say nothing. Willie? Okay, thank you, Willie. Or were you a one hour, one hour close? <laughs> Hebrews 11. This is talking about Abraham and how he was giving up Isaac. Why was he giving up Isaac? Because he considered. He pondered. He studied. He said, if God kill him, he got to bring him back to life. That's what he was pondering on. Why was he pondering on that? Because he trusted God enough to know you did not allow me to wait 25 years and say he was going to be the seed and then you're going to take him. He said, so if you take him, you got to bring him back to life. So I'm just considering him coming back to life. Hmm. Isn't that awesome? So if we would do things that way and say, God, I'm not going to consider anything outside of what you said. That ain't what you said. Might be all day where we just playing tennis with our thoughts. Down. Uh Uh-uh. You ain't coming up here. Get down there. That's what we're supposed to do. Then eventually, guess what? We're really knowing who we are in Christ. We're not pondering over those things. Let's talk about something else. When you consider, you're going to begin to see. You're going to begin to hear. You're going to hear what you're considering. You're going to begin to see what you're considering. Because anytime you hear something, if I say a dog is barking, did anybody hear a dog barking? Did y'all hear a dog barking? Why are y'all hearing a dog barking? Because I said it. Do anybody see the dog barking? Why do you see the dog barking? You visualizing it. See how everything come together. So when somebody come to you with something negative, where's your mindset going to? Negative. And the more they keep talking about it and keep talking about it and keep talking about it, guess what? You done joined in with their negative. You know what? Um, Deacon Newton, God is reminding me of something. I want you to help me out. And I'm going to pause on this one. Honey, take Deacon Newton the mic because somebody told him it was a man that was dead. This is what he heard. Yes, um, there were two women that happened to be talking on the phone, and I walked that one day, and I was listening to part of the conversation. So when they come out the, got off the phone, I asked one of them, I said, well, what happened? And she said, well, this guy had got killed the night before. I said, somebody stabbed him. I said, somebody stabbed him. I said, you sure? Yes, they cut his throat. So the next day, no, the same day, I went to the store, and I seen the guy walk around the corner. I thought I saw a ghost. And uh, he looked at me. He said, everything all right? I was like, what? He, you know, he said, you heard? He said, what's the matter? I said, that man, that man. I said, I'm just glad to see you. But then put out on the, put the word in the street. The man was dead. throat was cut. And I was going to go tell him. But matter of fact, I had done told somebody. <laughs> and uh, and uh, anyway, though, but just to show you how things, you know, I didn't have seen it, done heard it, done seen it. And then saw the man Stroke, stack, I mean, cut. I, I just saw it all, you know, just my imagination. But, uh, you know, that's how stuff gets started. You take it and you run with it, and it just seems so real. I, I had it happen the other day. Okay, go ahead, honey. Um, I know this guy that rides a bike all the time. They burg off. Y'all might know him. I can call his name. He always dodging traffic and stuff. <laughs> and I was pray for him. So, Lord, hope he don't get hit. So I got a text in the morning. Say, such and such is dead. So he got hit by a car on the new road. I said, dang, I just thought about him. Nothing I saw around that bike. And I didn't tell nobody yet. He called back later and said, Dad, it ain't true. He alive. He's home in bed. <laughs> but I have visualized him day when I got that text. Do y'all see why the scripture says evil communication corrupt good manners? This is why you stop it at the door. You say, uh-uh. How you know he's dead? Well, so-and-so say, how they know he's dead? We're going to speak life because we don't know. We got to be so careful because your words have power. And the enemy is about death and not about life. So we have to be so quick not to go to somebody and speak something that we haven't seen for ourselves. So this is how we can get into strife, offense, 
resentment, unforgiveness, because we believe what we're hearing and it may not be true. And then if you hear it and you know that it's true, you don't want to keep talking about it because guess what? We add to what they already said. So let's look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.14. We're talking about keeping our mind set on things above and those are the things that we are going to consider. 1 Corinthians 2.14, I'm reading out the Passion Translation. Listen at this. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit. Listen at that. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelation of God's spirit. For they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit Because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. So a natural man cannot receive the things of God. If you're walking naturally, you will not be able to receive the things of God. This is why when people come to you with gossip or they come to you with how they feel. If you're walking naturally, naturally is carnal minded. Let's go to Romans 8, 5 through 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 5 through 8, which is amplified. We know this scripture. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. So if you're setting your mind on carnally things, you're gratifying the flesh. If you're setting your mind on spiritual things, you're going to gratify the things of the spirit. Then it says, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and after. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. So if we keep our mind in the spirit, we're going to have what? Life and peace. Who want death? I don't. So we have to keep our minds set on spiritual things. It says that is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So then those things, those who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. The enemy know if we're living according to the flesh, we cannot please God. God don't go on flesh. He does not go on flesh. We have to be walking in the spirit. The flesh does not please God. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to be carnally minded. He wants us to be fleshly minded. He does not want us to walk in the spirit. When you're walking in the spirit, you're representing Jesus. When you're walking in the spirit, we don't hold strife. We don't hold grudges. We don't hold all of those things because that's flesh. That's not God. We do what the word of God tells us to do. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 through 7. And I'm reading out the Passion Translation. This is Paul. He's talking to the Corinthians. He said, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Listen to what Paul is saying. He said, I could not speak to you spiritually as mature. I had to speak to you as carnal Who you are, okay, for you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nourish you and feed you with milk, not with the solid food of more uh, advanced teaching because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you're still not ready to be fed solid food. Guess why he's saying they're not ready? For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there jealousy among you? Do you compare yourself with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you're living your lives centered on yourself, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like unbelievers. Look at what Paul was saying. He said, if if you got jealousy, 
if you're comparing yourself with others, if you're quarreling with each other like children, he said, you're immature. You got your mind set on fleshly things. This is not what we do in the spirit. He said, for when you divide yourself up in groups, listen at this, a Paul's group and an apostle group, you're acting like people without the spirit's influence. When we have different groups in the church, we are in the flesh because we are one body in Christ. We're made up of one body, every joint supply. When we get our little groups and talk amongst ourselves on how we think this should be done or how we think that should be done, we are in the flesh. It's right here in the word. So this is why we have to be spiritually minded and not carnally minded. It may be some things that we don't like. But what do we do? We come to one another. We talk about it. That's a spiritually minded person. They don't talk. You don't talk amongst yourselves. You talk to the person that you got the issue with. How long have we been going over this? This is what we do. We're, we're one body. When we are spiritually minded, we do it according to the word of God, not according to how our flesh feel. No matter how much your flesh hurt, you're supposed to do things according to the word of God. When we always worry about this, that, or the other, and not centered on what the word of God is telling us, then we are fleshly minded. We're supposed to be spiritually minded. Our mind's supposed to be set on things above. So whatever come in our homes, whatever come in on our jobs, we're supposed to be spiritually minded. We're supposed to handle it the way the word of God tells us to handle it outside of how we feel. When you go on your feelings, you die. But when you go according to the word of God, you have life. Even in the midst of confusion, you're going to have peace. Even in the midst of hate, you're going to have love. If you're in a place now in your life where you're hurt and you can't love, you're fleshly minded. You're outside the spirit. When, if you're in a place right now, even in your marriage, if you're having problems with your husband or with your wife and you can't communicate and you say you're born again, something is wrong. You fleshly minded. You too worried about what he's doing or what she's doing that you're not focusing on what God would do concerning that marriage. So we need to set our mind more on things above and not on things of this earth. The more you set your mind on things of this earth, you are fleshly minded. And God wants us to be spiritual, spiritually minded all the time. How can we do that? By being in the word of God every day. Seeing what God has to say about that situation. We have to seek him while he can be found. We seek first the kingdom and his way of doing. His way of being right. And then guess what? All of these things will be added unto us. So I give God glory for this teaching. I don't know about you, but it's helping me. It's showing me how to do things and not to do it the way I want to do it, but the way God would have for it to be done. Amen. Now, we don't went over this teaching twice. I have added a little bit more to it, but I think last week we talked about um, things that you consider. Do we have anyone in here that want to talk about how considering things could um, affect your life? Come on, Renee. No, you got to turn it on. Yeah. I've been trying to um, not consider um, the world's way when it comes to healing. Um, uh, the doctor diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis. And for some of you that don't know what that is, it's an immune disease, but it's a crippling disease that works with your joints and stuff. 
And sometimes I be sitting up and I, I be having pain. I'm not used to having pain. I just turned 54 and I've never been one with pain. So um, sometimes depression tries to set in because I'm not used to having pain every day. So I have to consider what the words say in spite of how I feel. When I think about my body, and if I continue to focus on the world's way, what the outcome would be. And I know that God is almighty. He is all-powerful. And I have to consider that his word does not return bored. So I'm focusing on, by Jesus Christ, I am healed. Getting to the point that not that I'm just saying it, but I'm just resting in his word. And continue to meditate on it and meditate on it and meditate on it. No matter how I feel. Because at the end of the day, God's word is, it does not return void. We can go to the doctors and they can give us medication, and but God is a healer. So I'm just trying to get in that place. I'm just believing God for total healing, no matter what my body feels like. Um considering his word and um i was thinking of reading in with um sarah and abraham and isaac and abraham did not consider his body even though he was a hundred years old and sarah was old it was about god promising and what his promise was to him and it didn't matter he considered god word and he was con- he was going to stand on that word even when his son Isaac, he was willing to sacrifice, he did, because he considered what God said, and he stood on God's promise. And that's the way I, I'm where I'm at with my body. I'm just believing God for total healing. I just cannot consider that that I'm going to spend the rest of my life in pain and my joints is deteriorating and my hands crippling. I'm just not considering it because that's not what the word is saying. Amen. And one thing, come on, Jennifer, while she's coming. One thing about healing is we have to know we already heal, meaning that our body is going to act like it's not healed, but we don't go on how that body is reacting. We go on that he said, you already healed, just receive what I've already done. Some of us are looking for healing, and healing is already here. So if you're looking for it, that means you're thinking it hasn't happened. It has already happened through Jesus. So you got to let that the life of the Spirit of Christ, the law of the life of the Spirit of Christ, Renee, that's in you. You have to know that's what has made you alive from the law of sin and death. The same spirit that quickened um, Jesus that rose him from the dead has already quickened your mortal body. That same spirit is in you. So you have to say, Renee, body, I command you in the name of Jesus to be quickened by God's life-giving spirit. By Jesus Christ, I was already healed. Outside of how I feel, I command healing to my body. And I command that arthritis, that rheumatoid arthritis to leave right now in Jesus' name. You cannot stay here. In the name of Jesus. Now, body, I command you to take your medication in Jesus' name. When we waver, when we go back and forth like a windshield wiper, your body is confused. It don't know what to consider. Because one minute we're saying, I'm healed. The next minute we're saying, bring me this. Then the next minute, after the pain leave, then we talk in healing. When the pain come back, give me the medication. But the more you focus on what he's done, and the more you consider what he done, your body is acting normal before you even know it. Come on, Jennifer. And I thank God for Renee for coming up here, say, um, giving her testimony. Um, and I just want to back her testimony and, 
and, and let you know that I am living proof that God is a healer. Um, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, and it's been over maybe 23 years ago. Pastor had an altar call up here, and I came, she had an altar call up here years ago, and, and I came up here, she said, for healing. The altar call was for healing, and I came up here, and I stood around this altar, and she touched me, and a, a burning sensation went from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And from that day forward, I've been proclaiming that I, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. And I took, you know how the doctor give you medic. You go to the doctor, the doctor give you medication to take. And he say, take this maybe three times a day or whatever, however you tell you to take it. What I did, I took that Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5, and I read them three times a day like I was taking my medication. Once you get that in you, get that in, in once you meditate on it and roll over it, roll over it, roll over it, and just roll over it, ponder on it, it got into my heart, and nothing could take that away. I am 23 years strong to did right now. No medication, no nothing. I, I never even took the medication when the doctor said, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to do that. I say, I am too young for this. I'm not accepting this, and from uh, it's been 23 years now, and I'm healed. You see the difference. God's word is the medicine. God don't mix his word with natural medicine because that's when man say they done it and not God. You have to get to the point of believing his word more than you believe what you're taking. But you got to get to that point. Do not stop taking something if you ain't in the word. Y'all better hear me. Some people hear testimonies and cut off everything, then die. <laughs> you can't do it like that. If you don't get into the word every day and let the word get into you, you need to be taking the medication because you need help. But once you make up your mind and you're going in that word and you believe in what God's word says, your body is reacting to what it is receiving. Your body only reacts based on what you give it. You give it something that it don't like, it gives you a reaction, doesn't it? But we are spiritual beings. The spirit want to connect with the soul so the body will follow. The only way that the spirit connects with the soul is when your mind is renewed according to the word of God. So we have to understand God works outside of natural means, y'all. God don't need no help. He used us to lay hands, but he don't use us to open our hands <laughs> and say, Here, Jennifer. Yeah, 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 take it. No, when he does the thing, you know that he does, he did it, and you didn't need no other help. That's God. And when you don't know him that way, it's because you don't know him. And he has not been made known to you because you haven't taken the time to know him as Jehovah Rapha. People take the time to know him as Jehovah Rapha when the doctors say, it's no other medication that can help you. It's nothing else I can do for you. That's when you really open the word and say, well, God, if you can't do it, nobody can. Why go to him then when you believe that man was doing it? Or God was working through man. Man told you they can't help you. If God working through man, why are they sending you home to die? God ain't about death. He's about life. So we have to grab hold to his word and do what his word tell us to do. It's up to us, y'all. God has given us what we need, but if we're not taking it, guess what kind of results we're getting and other people getting from us. They're getting our strife. They're getting our unforgiveness. They're getting things opposite to the word of God. Do we have anyone else before we close? Okay, I believe we're good. Huh? Come on. I have two different incidents that happened to me. Um, it's been a long time ago. I was having a problem with my knee because I used to jog a lot. And um, and I was going through a lot of pain. And especially when I sit for a long time, I couldn't hardly get up and walk. But I kept speaking the word. I didn't consider how I felt. I still did things that I normally do. Sometimes I would stand up and ask my wife. I couldn't hardly move, but I didn't let nobody know it. I was walking in faith. But anyway, God healed me. But anyway, not too long ago, I was coming from a restaurant one night. My back started hurting. 
I thought I had gas or something, pulled a muscle. I didn't know what it was. By the time I got home, I couldn't, I almost couldn't make it home. I was driving. I told my wife, I said, I make it, I made it home. And after that, you know, I prayed about, kept speaking the word out, First Peter 2.24, by Jesus Christ, I was already healed. The next few days, I got where I couldn't urinate. You get, you get, feel like you got to go, but you can't, and that's a bad feeling. I walked that floor, and I spoke that word. My wife spoke the word. It went on for several days. I continued to do my normal routine day to work. I wasn't let it get me down because I knew God already healed me. And I know we get tried about things, but I, I stood on God's word, and I trusted him no matter how I felt, what I went through. If I just trusted God and believed that, that he already done but we got to walk by faith, not by sight. I didn't complain, but God healed me for what I was going through. And I'm going to tell you, it was a walk of faith. He's still in church. We still doing our normal routines, but we believe God. He trusted God. He knew, God, if you did that for me then with the knee, you can do it now with my backs. And I bind every thought that come to people's head because of what he said, and you done gave him a diagnosis. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Let's just say it, and I was sitting there and say, people can be thinking about what it could have been. I rebuke Consider that in Jesus' Consider by me and rebuke that in a way in the name of Jesus. See, we won. God lets you hear people's thoughts. See, you considering. You, you considering things. You cannot consider. If we, y'all, let me tell you something. If we had nobody to rely on but God's word, you would make it. If you had nobody to turn to, you would make it because you had no choice but to make it with his word. But how do you know his word works if you never try it? If you go to everything else, how would you know if his word work or not? If you never tried the word, if you never stayed on your medication from the word long enough to know God is God, how can you say, well, you know, the Lord healed me because I took this four times a day and he healed me. You took medicine. God with God, you don't have to take nothing. He don't need no help. But when you get to a point that you're not there yet, Take the medicine. It's okay. God's going to still love you, but don't put God in the midst of your medicine. The, the Bible, the word is your medicine. That's what the word says. Kathy? Sheikah? Okay. Tell them we're going to get in just one second. That's my two to Agoria God because God is so good. And you just don't want to just sit there and don't give him glory because God is good and um, he's so faithful. Because I know how I was going through with my knees where I injured my knee. It was a freak accident. Um, I was standing going across my husband. Somehow he kicked my leg up from under me by mistake. And I had a problem with that leg from for over a year with, with the knee. It kept swelling. I was limping and everything. And it just hurt. Sometimes I, when I got up in the morning, I could barely walk. Um, it was just terrible. And, you know, um, uh, the enemy tried to give you pictures, tried to show me myself um, not being able to walk. So now you're getting older. So when you get older, you're going to either have a... Uh, you're going to have to have a cane. And then he tried to show me in a wheelchair just how bad my knee was. And um, you remember praying for my knee? And, um, you know, I was speaking over it. And I even had to, you know, were mowing the yard at the time with a push lawnmower. And um, it was like two and a half to three hours worth of mowing. But I considered not this knee <laughs> because I said, well, Jesus strikes, I'm healed. Even though it was her, I didn't focus because I have time to focus on a knee. Sometimes I only have time to be scared. You have a rebuke, say, say, I got time for you. So I didn't have time to, for pain. And I take, I choose to take God at his word because I know we walk by faith and not by sight. And um, like you say, if you don't, you, you got to try him. You got to try the Lord. And so, uh, his word. And so I decree and declare his word. With Jesus Christ, I'm healed. And I say, God, you didn't send this. So I'm not going to, um, if, I always tell Rick, if God didn't send the package, I'm not signing for it. 
So I know God didn't send uh, sickness or pain or anything like that on my body. So I always speak his word. And I was limping around church and trying to show me, tell me you couldn't wear my high heels. And I like to wear my high heels on Sunday. And I saw all those shoes I have. I'm wearing my heels. So I just did everything by faith. And um, now, I, you know, I'm healed. I'm just, God healed me. He, he manifested his word in my body. And um, then I had another issue. Rick could tell you, I'll be having issues every now and then. And the Lord um, heals me. You said, how you know you can trust God when you don't have anything else? You know, which I choose to trust him. And um, I went to the doctor. And they tried to do a procedure, and I couldn't take that procedure. So they said, here, go take this sentence and come back, sentence and come back. I still have it. And that's been over about a year ago, maybe. And um, I haven't taken it because I said, I'm believing God. I'm not going through that procedure, and I didn't have to. So the issue that they say I had, I don't have it anymore. None of the symptoms, nothing. The Lord healed me. And God is always divinely healing my body. And I just didn't want to sit there and not give him glory for all that he has done. And Amen. that's just a little Amen. partially. Amen. Amen. Look at God. Hi, I just want to say that I just thank God for the word. Because it's all about his word. Because he is his word. And we have to take him at his word. When our bodies are going through, the enemy will put things in our mind to try to get us to doubt what God has said. But when we remember, when we read his word, he's speaking to us. And when he's speaking to us, we have to believe what he's saying because he said in his word, all of his promises is yes and amen. Sometimes we feel like, where are you, Lord? I'm going through so much. But we have to remember what he said in spite of of how our bodies feel, that he is a promise keeper and that he would never leave us because he said he'd always be with us even until the end of the world. He's a miracle-working God, and we have to believe that. But how can we believe something that we don't really get into? His word is who he is. When we study his word to know who he is and what he has done and to understand it and get the revelation, things change in our life. Worry don't come as much as it used to. It'll fade away. And when it comes, when the enemy brings things to our mind, you know, the spirit will let us know, I'm with you. There's a calmness. There's a peace. So we have to understand that the renewing of our mind is what we need because our our mind controls our body. And if we're not into the word of God to understand what he's saying to us, we'll always be in limbo. We'll always be worried and stressed out. But we have to rest in him and know that he's going to do just what he said he's going to do. He's healed the sick. He's raised the dead. He's given sight to the blind. And he's still the same God today that he was then. We just have to get to know him. We have to have that relationship with him. There is no other way. Our relationship must be with him, an intimate relationship. And we have to stay in his word. We have to hold his word back to him because his word is him. And he's always speaking, but oftentimes we're not listening. And we all go through, my husband went through his surgery, and the doctor, they're not really looking for him to fully recover, to use his arm. And just a little while ago, my husband was lifting his arm, something the doctor is thinking is impossible. But what's impossible with man is not impossible with God, because he's the true and living God. And besides him, there is none other. So God can do everything that he said he'll do, and he will do it. But we got to trust him by faith. Amen. We all go through. I go through in my body. But I look to him, and I repeat his word. Lord, you said in your word that you were wounded for my transgression, and you were bruised for my iniquities, and the chastisement of my peace was upon you. 
and by your stripes I'm healed. Amen. We have to plead the blood of Jesus over our bodies every day, regardless of how we feel. Plead the blood of Jesus Amen. because he's already done it. It ain't that we waiting for it to get done. That's when right. he hung his head on the cross and died, he said, it's finished. And I said, Lord, this is what you said. Amen. It is finished. Amen. And I receive what you've done. And I'm waiting on the manifestation because it's already here. Amen. Lord, I give you praise and I give you glory for what you've already done in my life and in the life of my husband and family. I pray for people that I don't even know. I said, Lord, you know who they are. You know where they live. You know their names. You know the ones that's calling on you, Lord. Amen. And Lord, I just pray that you will meet them where they are. Meet their needs, God. Because you're the only one can do it. We run after things, but we have to remember to run after him. Amen. Because he is the one to see us through everything that we're going through. Didn't mean to say that much, but I know that God is a healer. Because when I was falling down and slipping down with my knee, when I prayed, I said, Lord, when I get up out of this chair, I don't want to feel this no more. Lord, take it away from me. When I got up out of that chair, I have—I was literally almost falling. I had to catch myself. I haven't been like that since. Amen. You know, I haven't been like that since, and I thank God for it. I really do. I give God the glory. Amen. The enemy tries to bring things back. But I rebuke it. I rebuke it. I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I plead the blood over my body every day. Every day. And that's what we have to do. Plead his blood because his shed blood has already atoned for what we need and for everything that we go through. Amen. And I just thank God for what I've heard because, you know, it's, it's good. It's a blessing. And we just need to remember that he is still He's still working on our behalf every day. Amen. Thank God for the time you let me talk. (laughs) Amen. And I want to say to you guys, um, everybody's not in the same place, but we need to get to a place where God is first place. Don't wait until anybody tell you they can't help you. You should already know who he is. He is our present help in the time of trouble. So don't give up on God so quickly. We put God to the side and we wait to hear what man has to say. And we do what they tell us to do because we trust them more than we trust God. God created man. So we have to put our trust in God. But if you hadn't gotten there yet, don't put God and man together. Don't do that. God is all by himself. He is self-existent. No, he he didn't nobody created god if you're going to trust man my granddaddy always told my grandmother if you're going to trust man trust man but if you're going to trust god trust god you cannot serve two. put your trust in who you're going to put your trust in god ain't going to be mad but just don't put god in between god want to be first and foremost amen angel can you close us